This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Make sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you are listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Tina on from carparts.com. And our topic is how to how employers can empower and support women in the workplace. So can't wait to learn from uh, Tina. So we'll just jump right into it. Tina, would you do us a favor and introduce yourself and carparts.com? Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me today. Sure. Um, I'm Tina Murfarsi. I'm the Vice President of Communications and Culture at carparts.com. Uh, we are a global organization headquartered actually in Torrance, California, uh, a technology supply chain company with the mission to not only get the right parts to our customers quickly, but kind of reimagining what that is in its entirety and creating a platform that's transparent where we can empower our customers to really give them the resources they need for full auto care. I love it. So, you know, I'm hoping, and we'll see how this plays out, but I'm hoping that uh, the empower part of of how we can support women uh, is a bit deeper than it was (laughs) a few years ago, meaning... I kind of hope we've learned some things in the last couple of years so that we're maybe we're better at this, but that's a hope. Let's just, you don't have to kill my hopes all at once, but you know, uh, I absolutely think we, we are, I think just as a community in general, I mean, of course, carparts.com is, but I think as a community, I think we've learned so much, especially over the last three years. Yes. Um, I think, the careers of so many women took a hit when the pandemic started causing millions of them to make the decision. Mm -hmm. Do I choose my family or do I choose my job? And those who kind of decided to take that leave of absence to go take care of, you know, remote schooling and at home childcare, like some of some things that women had never had to do at that point in their lives. They're now finally starting to kind of slowly shift their way back into the workforce. So I think, it's always been important to really consider women, but I think now more than ever, it's really critical for employers to start listening in the hiring and retention efforts. Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because I mean, before the pandemic and Me Too, which heightened, I think, a lot of sensitivity, which which is nice. Like for me, I'm just being jaded, uh, so so bear with me. But when Me Too first came out, when it first came out, I was shocked that people were shocked. So, so so here's how dark I am. I actually thought people knew <laughs> that all this happened in Hollywood and Silicon Valley. And it's like, it's, I just thought that, that this is the world. Like, yeah, how'd you not know this? Yeah. I mean, I, uh, probably in my past life, I came from the entertainment world as well. I, so I have to partially agree with you in some regards that some of it was not a surprise, right? Right. Some of the very specific things to entertainment. But I think what was really shocking and disheartening to me is like, it was story after story, like months after months. And you really, and I just thought, you know, maybe I'm just in that entertainment bubble, but then you start realizing it's in banking, it's in gymnastics, it's in toys, it's in retail, like it was everywhere, you know? And, And I think that was really 
uh, the, the hardest part was how disheartening that was to see how common it was. That's what floored me. That's what floored yeah. me as well is that it wasn't that it was happening that I thought, you know, men are pigs. Of course it's happening. <laughs> but like, I didn't know the depth and the breadth of where it was happening. I mean, it, it was, there was, there isn't a place that it hasn't touched. And thank God that stories are finally coming out. So, so on one level, again, after getting through my own, you know, guilt on some level uh, and understanding that I've probably empowered some of these people to make some of these decisions, then all of a sudden understanding the gravity of like, okay, this isn't, this isn't just to Hollywood or Silicon Valley or Wall Street, et cetera. This is everywhere. This is this is everywhere. Okay, once once all those stories started to come out, I actually had a different guilt. I actually I actually liked hearing the stories, not the actual stories themselves, but the fact that we were talking about it, mm-hmm. and the people were at least they felt comfortable enough talking publicly about some of the the horrors that they had been through. Like I thought that was good or cathartic in the sense of, okay, at least now we're talking about it. Okay, so surely strides are being made. And then all of a sudden, COVID. I mean, yeah. kind of, and then there were years in between there, but it, then it just felt like, oh, okay, COVID. Now, I'll say women at the beginning of COVID, the first six, nine months, are disproportionately stood up and took care of things. Then towards the end of the year, 20, uh, disproportionately fired <laughs> and, right. and not given credit for doing the job uh and i'm not sure where we stand today two years after kind of that slaughter uh i'm not sure where we stand today in corporate america yeah i think going back to your first point i think there i i can only you know in my own mind i can only imagine a few things worse and more difficult than having to come out and have those conversations and feeling feeling empowered and supported to have those conversations. But I think one of the really important things that it brought up is how important it is to have women in leadership roles at organizations because 100%. you want to encourage people to come out and speak. And then you want to also provide after that. It's so important. Every company was kind of looking at what was going on. I mean, everyone had an eagle eye on everything that was kind of going on. And when you have women, female representation at at a leadership level within your organization, that can really help someone who actually knows what's going on, someone who might have a better understanding of what someone's going through and can help implement uh, policies. And women are choosing to go work at companies that they feel supported. Oh, 100%. As they should. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I think, and I think the and, pandemic, the interesting thing was that that was really an awakening. I think yes. obviously for people, but I think especially women, it was always such a taboo conversation. I felt like throughout my entire career to even 100%. mention childcare. Like yep. if you had a kid, it was like, keep it to yourself. Like the boys don't want to hear about it, you know, <laughs> that sounds like not something... problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the pandemic really heighten those conversations because it became an our problem, not a your problem. Right. And I think in in that sense, I think it it's helped progress women's careers because that's it's helped that it's more everyone's thinking about it rather than just women having to think about it. Well thank God. Right. So I mean it, it's it's horrible that how we got here. But the fact that we're here now, and I mean, it's not when you say it's it's our, uh, we won't say problem, but when we say like a child is, we used to look at it as as a YPMP, right? So it's, it's a your problem thing. 
now I think it's 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 not only is it our opportunity rather than problem between the the couple between the 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 parents of the child, but also the company now has an active role, which is relatively interesting uh, because before the company wouldn't have cared uh, that you have children or that you have soccer practice at four or whatever the whatever the bid is. They wouldn't care. I mean, it's just, you know, it's outcomes based. Do you get the job done? Great. Fantastic. We don't care about your soccer practice. Because of COVID, people are in each other's lives. Probably good and bad. We'll just Mm -hmm. leave that aside for a second. But they're in each other's lives. So you do know about soccer practice. You do know that people have kids and all of the elder care and all these other things that they're dealing with. Um, how, how, How different do you think it would have been? With with me too, and even in the and the pandemic, if if women women were let's just say roughly the population 52 percent of the leadership, how how different do you believe it would have been, or would it? And I, I could be jaded, so I'll I'll start with would it have been different? <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to say, but I do because it, I you know I feel like it's really hard to be like as a woman I would be a great advocate and you know, my counterpart at the company who's a male doesn't understand, right? Well, it's never going to be so black or way, you know? And I think it's, I'd like to think that people just as general, you know, are understanding and caring. And I think, could it have been more advocates are always more helpful? I think yes. at the end of the day, you know, what I, what I hope for is that from the Me Too movement and from everything else is that men step up more as advocates and more people use their platform and their voice to advocate now that they know how important it is and how helpful it could be. I, I'm right there with you. Because I think once again, it's as, as a, as a man being in conversations, being around conversations, I know I could have done more historically, if I were to go back and actually look at my career and think about the conversations I was in or, or part of, and think, yeah, I could have probably done more. I couldn't have to laugh at that joke. I could have corrected that person at that time, or I could have pulled more out of the women that are in that were in the boardrooms with me, or whatever. I could have pulled more out of them and said, "Hey, what do you think?" You know that type of stuff. So yeah. for me, just as a as a man, it's got me to think more about okay, what you know, if if, if roles were reversed, what would you want? You know, how would you like for your peers to be supportive of you? And uh, so that, so from that perspective, I think it has gotten a lot of men to think. I'm not sure the do part, the action part is quite there, <laughs> and being jaded. But at least it's gotten most men to think. I mean, some men just aren't going to think just because they're Neanderthals. So, I mean, some let's just put that aside. So if we're trying to fix all men, let's just stop now. This, that's <laughs> just not going to work. However, there is a group of men that are definitely worth saving. So now it's a question of, okay, after you get past the the thinking part, how do you get into programmatically? How do you get into the, here's how to support, which is where I'd like to take the conversation next, is what if you're building a laundry list for guys like me who uh, recognize problems of the past, clearly, um, and want to be supportive. What's the toolkit? Like, what do we need in order to be supportive of women? You know, I think number one is just to listen. 
and like truly listen, you know, to, to what women are saying their needs are. I think, you know, you having that thought of, I could have been better. How can I be better moving forward is exactly the conversation that each person needs to have. And I think the more men and advocates who and allies who have that thought, the better we're going to all be. And I think another part of that is women are starting to have that same thought to themselves too. How could I have stood up for myself more? How could I have communicated more what my needs are rather than keeping it to myself because I don't think people care? What if they say no? Or what if they look at me a specific way? So we're all thinking those things, you know, just in different perspectives. But I think ultimately listening to what women are saying they want is how we can really start helping them. I love that. Well, I'm going to get back to that um, in just a second. How much uh, do you, how much history do you know about like uh, South Africa, especially after apartheid? Not you, very much. No worries. You didn't miss much. So they had this thing called uh, Truth and Reconciliation Act, which essentially said to all South Africans, black and white, uh, just say what you did. Again, just 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 tell the truth and leave no stone unturned. Left, tell the absolute truth. Everything doesn't matter what you did. Just just gonna just just right now. Just say what you did, and whites and blacks both did it. And they went through this process where they just got it all out there. Okay, so all the horrors were now out in front of everybody, but there was no punishment attached to it. There was just people telling, okay, here's what happened. Here's what, what went on. And then after that, they they went on this this uh, the second part of truth and reconciliation. The reconciliation part was then they forgave people. So so they let everyone kind of tell their story, good, bad, or otherwise, and then they forgave everyone. And then they said, okay, the past, the past. If here's how we go forward. None of that stuff in the past goes forward. So whatever was done before, if you stole someone's land and you murdered their family, you know, keep going. Uh, yeah, that doesn't go forward. If it goes forward, you get punished just like a regular criminal. And I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. I thought on some level, men and women could do that. <laughs> Where it was, it's a lot of listening. So it gets back to your point. It's going to start and end with listening to women, but in there, there's probably more stuff that men need to cop to. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I know where you're starting from. It's like, well, if, if men would just listen and understand, there's the probative part of that, that after you get done with saying everything you need, that there's some things you haven't said. And as yeah. a man, I'm going to have to ask and say, you know what? First of all, I hate every one of those stories because I could have done something to change that, and uh, but we're here now. What have you left off? What have you not said? Because you don't feel comfortable enough, or you don't, or you know, you don't feel safe enough to then say what's really on your mind. And yeah, I think, I, go ahead. I think sorry, the the key word that you said is kind of that safety, yep. right? Creating a space where people feel comfortable, uh, an empathetic space where people can really tell you how they feel things that have really upset them, things that maybe if they said before, it'd be like, oh, you're an emotional person, right? We've been kind of trained <laughs> our entire awfully, lives to just be like- aggressive. <laughs> what? So, so it's like the second you have anything off a little bit, you know, off the medium, it's like, oh, this person's an emotional person. So you try so hard in your career to keep things so buttoned up. Right. And now you're learning that 
by doing that, you're not only doing yourself a disservice, but we're doing a disservice for all women by not having those conversations that feel very uncomfortable. And so I think listening, of course, is number one, but also that acknowledgement. I think part of that feel of your story of people feeling like they let something go and move forward is maybe not complete forgiveness, but it's really having someone see you and acknowledge what you've been through um, and knowing that you're on their side and that you're going to now do what you can do to support them going forward. It's it's interesting. In the mid-90s, the Southern Baptist Convention Board came out and said, officially after one of their uh, annual events and said that slavery was bad. And I remember reading the paper going, yeah, great. <laughs> Glad you caught up. That's cool. Right. <laughs> what I what I failed to recognize at the time and, and talking to members afterwards, I figured out is is what they had to actually plant a flag in the ground and say, this is wrong. We see you. Like, this is wrong. And we now understand that there's a bunch of stories we need to hear. Because not only was that event wrong, but there's a bunch of things that stemmed from the event. They're also wrong. And so on some level, after, you know, after I kind of got it, it's like, okay, that's actually really smart to give people this, that space to then say, you know, whatever's on their mind with their truth and also to learn from it. Cause one of the things that you've, you said, and I, and I, I totally believe is that if you give the space to women and say, okay, listen, we're listening, like let's clue us in you know because a we need it it's not just women and men i mean you know there's a bunch of other people like that have been marginalized for whatever reason that this could help just just the act of listening and how do you how do you do this from a corporate perspective because like you know we can do it you and i can do it on a podcast (laughs) because it's relatively easy because uh, I could just say, "Hey, tell me your horror stories." I mean, you know, tell me the worst thing that's ever happened to you at work. Like, and you know, at one point you'll tell me, um, or not, whatever. Uh, but how do you do that in a corporate context? You know, I think every company and industry is going to be a little bit different. You know, and in our industry, you know, we have uh, corporate team members, we have warehouse team members. We're two thousand people, right. so it's really just making sure that we have the right people on our teams through culture and our HR teams to really have their finger on the pulse and really have people in positions where they care. You know, they care about going and talking to team members to make sure that the services that we're providing, the benefits that we're providing are helping them. How can we make your life better? You know, like I don't have the crystal ball and I can't tell you what would fit our team member in Texas. Right. You know, so it's really important as as leadership to really look at who is our team, like what is the makeup of our team, and how can we create a leadership team that can support them the best that they can. And and I think at every company that's going to look a little bit different, um, but we we have a lot of pride in our company of making sure that we have team members in place to really consider and listen and and advocate for our team members across the board what if someone first of all that's i think you're right uh i think some of it also just having enough people when you can you can look at some companies and you can just look towards the top and middle and higher and above it's all men uh or whatever 
and you can just see that okay if i were a woman and <laughs> i wouldn't want to work there like you've already told me that there's no path <laughs> without telling me that there's no path you've already told me that so uh, why would i put myself into into that situation like i i can see where women especially now just being more sophisticated buyers all of us being more sophisticated buyers on the internet you know, there's things like comparably in Glassdoor and, you know, uh, all kinds of different tools where we can kind of see behind the veil of a company to know what we're going to get ourselves into. I can see a lot of, I can see a lot of women, but, but also marginalized people in general. I can see them just saying, mm, yeah, no, okay. I'm not going to waste a decade trying to teach them right from wrong. They yes. should, they, at this point, they should know. And I'll just go elsewhere where they get it. Do you, do you find, especially with the pandemic, do you find women kind of more in line with that line of thinking of like, yeah, I'm just not going to invest. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. Gonna, I'm not going to invest in your best years of my life on the company that just doesn't get it. Oh, absolutely. And I think we've seen that trend for quite a bit, even yeah. prior to the pandemic, where companies have to evolve, you know, like back in the day when I was kind of coming up in my career, it was like, if you don't like this job too bad, right. We'll replace you in a day. No one cared, you know, but now you're getting to a place where, um, social corporate social responsibility matters. Like what are your views? Like what's the hybrid schedule? Like essentially people are now thinking, what are you going to give me? Right. Because the employer is getting something out of it. And you want to make sure that this is a happy partnership between you and your employees. And this is a new way of thinking. You know, back then, that just wasn't part of the conversation. You didn't really have that voice. So people really want to align with their own purpose, uh, whatever that may be. And the purpose changes. Uh, and, And as they become more sophisticated buyers, like all of us, right? You just don't make the same decision twice. Absolutely. Uh, I've seen this with Gen Z and the hiring process that they they don't want to work with a company where they don't see people like Gen Z in the hiring process, mm-hmm. which isn't shocking. Like when you do, when you unpack it, you're like, yeah, duh. <laughs> so, but but now you know, thinking about it, it's like, well, yeah, of course they don't want to. Why, why would you want to work in a place where, where you don't see someone like yourself? Duh. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, so something I, I want to ask you about is more the subtlety and subconscious because being supportive of, of women, again, as a, as a male, nobody can deal with women or anybody else, but as a man, you can listen and then just kind of do what they say, like kind of be supportive in in that way. Like understand every woman's going to have a different story. There are going to be different things that come up and just be supportive. That assumes a couple of things though. That assumes uh, a, a man that wants to do that, a or has the ability to do that, but also it assumes that a woman can articulate in whatever way, shape, or form her circumstance, the situation where in which she she's come from, or some of her stories, etc. And some of these things are too painful to recount in a real, I don't know, social way. And so, how do you, you know, two things? One is how does how does that how do what advice do you give men to just be supportive without i don't know talking too much about it i guess is is what i'm really thinking there's probably a better way of phrasing it but i'm thinking 
to myself, okay, if we sit around and talk about being supportive, that's cool. Because we'll hear some stories, we'll learn some things. That's great. But it doesn't get to like, how can we actually help? Because we'll spend the majority of time listening, which is fun. We need to do that. So how do how do men shortcut? <laughs> I'm asking for a shortcut, Dana. How do we shortcut <laughs> this? <laughs> so we do listen. That's not the point. It's not not to skip that. It's the it's to get to the actual empowering part and supportive part faster. Yeah, honestly, I think this kind of goes back to just having women in those leadership roles. Right. You know, because you know, when you are have confidence in your colleague or you see someone who you're just like, that person's incredible and I respect them so much. And they're giving you this inside information. If you're the type of person who's not going to do anything with it, you're not going to do anything with That's it. Right. right? But if you are, able. yeah. <laughs> but if you are someone who's willing to learn and put actions behind things that you're learning because you can, right. then this is where having representation in the leadership team by women is so crucial because I think one it helps men to understand like, okay, I really respect this person and this, what they're saying is horrible that it's happening, but something that I can help right. fix or help at least go move towards the right direction. But I think it's also really important for women within the organization. You know, mentorship programs are critical mm -hmm. to making sure that not only can women in the organization see other women and, and, say like, okay, this is where I want to go with my career, whether it's within the organization or five years down the line. But I think ultimately the way that I think to myself is if I've been through adversity, why not share my learnings to benefit someone else? And I think sometimes there isn't that road from lower level positions to leadership. Like you just don't ever cross paths. You don't ever get to chat with each other. Right. And that's why I when I think these formal mentorship programs, like the one we just started at Carparts is crucial because I was connected with women in the organization who I might've never had the opportunity to chat with. And the things that I learn about them and their obstacles and their insecurities, like I would have never known any of that. And, and from having these conversations with them, just allows me to take everything that I know and help somebody else. And sometimes things that they know and perspectives they have and kind of a part of that reverse mentorship, they give back to me as well. You know, every new generation has something to provide and something to add. Um, and as much as we all try to keep up with everything going on, uh, it's just impossible for one person to know everything. So it's really important to have that two-way communication between women in leadership roles and, and the women in the organization. You know, one of the things that you just unlocked for me is that when we see the words support or supportive and empowerment, that's actually, those words are code for, uh, those codes are, 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 those words are code for budget spend, <laughs> right? Like, like when we see those as men and when we see those words, they're great. They're fantastic words. However, what they really are indicative of or should be indicative of is programs. And like you just mentioned with, with mentorship and coaching and things like that, they should lead to programs and, and, or things that happen on the budget and uh, in, in, in the, in the budget itself for a company. So the last, last thing I wanted to ask you is how, um, how are you best supported and empowered? Like where do you thrive when, when you know you're in your, your element, what does it look like for you? 
Man, that's such a good question. I feel like well, I it really it for de- last. <laughs> I think it really just depends on what environment I'm in. You know, like I've been very lucky and blessed in my life. I have an incredibly and supportive family, incredibly supportive group of friends. And I have had been lucky um, in my career to really have supervisors and bosses who have been really supportive of my career. And I think for me, it's really just been giving that support, giving me that support and really giving me the autonomy to be myself do what I think is best kind of at an arm's length is really where I thrive personally. I think that someone respecting what you've done and your experience and what you bring to the table and really appreciating you for that, I think is such a beautiful thing, especially in the corporate world where it's like, I'm not trying to change you. I'm not trying to micromanage you. I know what you can accomplish. I know what you can do and I'm going to allow you to do that. What I love about that, the beauty of that is, is your people have gotten to know you and know where you thrive. And you you thrive, like a lot of folks, you thrive with some distance. You know, give me the outcome, give me what you want, and get get out of my way. Let me go do me. <laughs> and and some people don't. Some people, and that's not a knock on any work style. It's it's some people actually like the camaraderie. So they they don't necessarily want to be by themselves. They don't want to they want to actually do stuff as a team. And and uh, and so I think it's one of the things for the audience is to decode is to find out where people thrive. And when we're talking about in this particular case, women having the question or having the discussion, not only listening to the stories of kind of things that have gotten sideways in the past, the past could be like yesterday. So let's not, <laughs> let's not make that right. years. That could have been yesterday. We made mistakes, but also kind of understanding and decoding for where do you thrive? Like, what do you need? What are those tools and resources for you to be successful? And like, how can we do that? Um, Tina, we could talk all day and we really but, can, <laughs> but people would be upset with us if we did. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're wonderful. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at Recruiting.